Hello, I'm Scott Millis, senior pastor here at Living Word Family Church, and I'd like to welcome you to our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope that today's message encourages you and equips you in your walk with Christ. Here's today's message. Thanks, Pastor. Thank you. <clears throat> oh, hell, hello, everybody. As that you did, as they say, yes, very good. As they say in Texas, how you doggone doing? Now, I want to give you a piece of information. I did not bring this cold weather up here. I just want to qualify that. I didn't do that part. And hey, it's great to be back with you. I see some familiar faces, of course. Sister Pat, wonderful to see you. You know, it's just great to catch up. She still got that pioneering spirit inside of her. You know, join us for lunch. She goes, where are we going this exciting? And I'm like, wow, she's she got that still rolling on the inside. And uh, some other people that I saw, you know, Pastor Jeff that pastored over 20 years. I can't remember the city. Uh, and, uh, and his wife, good to see you and other people as well. And uh, glad to be back. And I guess I, guess I got to teach on offense, right? Since he set it up that way, which, which is right. You know, I went to, when I was actually, a few things I want to say. I pastored 10 years in Taos, New Mexico. That's where I learned about what an offense was. And I'll get into a lot of stories. And uh, then there was this pastor friend of mine that was in Royal Front, Virginia. And first time I went, normally I teach on offense. And now, I've done this now for 30 years. This is, it's been a God assignment. And it will be till Jesus comes back or I go home to be with the Lord. It's not going to change. I teach a lot of different things, but this is the main assignment that God has me to do. And I'm just, it's remarkable at how much help people are getting, whether believer or unbeliever. And I'm just grateful. To, and I had no clue that, uh, you know, this, this was needed as much as it is in the body of Christ or and obviously in society. And I remember when I first began to travel, I go, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he just whispered, teach on offense. So I obeyed. Next church, all right, Lord, what would you like me to minister? What's on your heart? Offense. Okay, third church, Lord, what do you, offense. And I'm like, okay, I, you know, God, I, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to teach on offense when I go to church for the first time, unless you tell me different. And I'll always acknowledge you. Well, this church in Fort Royal, Virginia, we did that. He said, I want you to come back next year and teach on offense. Okay, so we taught on offense third year. He goes, uh, I want you back. I want you to teach on offense. And I go, Pastor Carlton, I do know more than one message. I really do, you know. And he goes, no, but we're growing. Things are changing. And this is such a needed message. So I, I, for about three or four years in a row, all I did was teach on offense. And I've gone back to churches three years, five years later. And it's just as needed as when the first time you teach it. And so it doesn't ever get old, because how many of y'all know we live in offensive situations all around us, and, and really set out well with our culture, and, and as Christians, you know, if we're not careful, we can really become offended at what we see, what we observe, and I keep thinking about this. Jesus said, I wasn't sent to the righteous, I was sent to the sick. Thank you for your nice, overwhelming response. And there's some sick stuff out there. And Jesus was sent to the sick. He was sent to reach them, love on them, and bring them into God's kingdom. doesn't mean we agree with their lifestyle, 
but we're going to love them into the kingdom. Are y'all with me? You know, I, you're valuable as a person. I love you as a person. I may not agree with your lifestyle, but you're valuable. And that's how the love of God can reach out. And we see that through Jesus' example. Well, the Pharisees, religious people, got all worked up because he ate with sinners. They're like, what? Doesn't he know, doesn't he know that lady's touching him? She's a sinner? Well, yeah, he knew it. But he was sent to those that are sick. He is the great physician, right? Spirit, soul, and body. And so that's kind of helped me a lot to, okay, I, I don't agree with the lifestyle, but, but how many you know people are valuable? And Jesus died for the value of people. And so thank God we can reach them. Well, now in coming back, in dealing with this thing with offenses, uh, it's just been a God, a God assignment and thing that uh, the Lord wants to do. And so uh, obviously we're going we're gonna to hit that here. And I, I'm going to pass the video we're going to pass on that one since he kind of really introduced it very, very well. Now, I, I'm going to kind of go to Luke chapter 4. And let me say this. You're probably here going, well, I'm not offended. And that's great. However, you're going to have opportunity in the future. And you're going to be able to help other people that are offended. So if you're here going, I'm not offended right now. I have no offense whatsoever. I have no unforgiveness. That's wonderful. That's great. But we can become well prepared that when I do face an offensive situation in front of me, I know what's going on and I know how to deal with it. Or when someone I recognize has been offended, I can learn how to minister to them and help them. So wherever you're at, this is definitely is going to help in any way, in any fashion and form. Now, I want to start off this way. Uh, has anyone ever been offended before? I saw one guy do this, you know, of course, and, and, you know, we've, you know, and, and we've probably been offended maybe in society, job, people you worked with, uh, different situations, family situations. Has anyone ever been offended in church before? Sure. We probably all have one time or another. And listen, listen, I'm convinced that most offenses, most, not all, but most offenses happen in a local church happen because of the way we perceived something. We perceived it in a wrong way. We, we, uh, we judged it in a wrong way. We, we filtered it in a wrong way. And so then we take an offense that actually wasn't even meant to be that way, but we took it that way. Most offenses occur like that. So I'm, I'm going to dig into a lot of stories. Now, when we talk about this, offenses deal with every area of life. It deals with everyday life. It deals with church life. And I'm going to talk a little bit about church life and the other and bring a few, lots of stories if God keeps to, to lead that way. And um, so, uh, I'm going to ask you this question. Um, okay, we all, and, you know, yes, I've been offended before in, in those things. But here's my next question. How many of y'all have faults? Fault, uh, F-A-U-L, faults. How many of y'all have faults? I got my hand up too. We all, if, we all, if, if we're all honest, we all have faults, right? But how many of you know God's working in those areas? Isn't he? God's working on some issues I, that I'm weak at. God's working on those areas. And uh, it, it's amazing to me because what happens is we're, we're well, well, let me say this. We all have faults. We admit that. Now, Jesus is the head of the body. The body of Christ is what? The church, right? The church, the local body, is the body of Christ. And so what happens is, and, and you know, there's certain... Uh, 
accolades or expectations we have about the church, we put it up, up here to pest, a pest on a, that's not the right word. Thank you. Yes, that one. There, pedestal, up on a pedestal. And what happens is we're looking for, I think, maybe perfection when we're not even perfect ourselves. You know, we're looking for a perfect church. And look, the moment we joined it, if we found it, it would become, you're a bright crew. Yeah, it would become imperfect because we all have issues we're working with. And so I just love this. You know, the love of God makes allowances for the faults of one another. The love of God is really big on that. And so I'm, I'm hoping on tonight to teach on how to live offensive free. Whoa. It's a big one. And, and, and it is, it is pro-level Christianity. Not everybody makes it. But everybody can. Okay, well, I'm sure we'll have a big crowd tonight. Praise God. All right. So it's a wonderful message, you guys. It really is. And so I really hope you'll make it a part of that. You know, now thank God we have two services. So let's come back. So if we ever found a perfect church, the moment we join it, it would become imperfect. We all admit we have faults and we do. And we're all at different levels of growth. Uh, some of you are just, you know, babies in Christ, maybe just born again. You know, you have to be hit on the back. We have to burp you and take care of you and things like that. And some of you are moving into uh, uh, like, uh, what do you say, adoles not adolescence, but moving into a, uh, from a baby into a young person. And, uh, you know, we, well, we have to change your pull-ups, you know, things like that. And, and then there's the element of moving into adolescence, the teenage years, you know, and you know more than the pastor, you know. And then some of you are young adults, and some of you are very mature. A lot of you are very mature in this church. I mean, you're mature in Christ. And so it's funny because we have these expectations that when someone, when someone becomes saved or gets saved, we're expecting them to live a perfect life. And if we're not careful, we're judging them based on where the, what the Word says, where they ought to be. But I'm not expecting a baby to change their shoes or to tie their shoes. I'm not even expecting a, a young toddler to do that, to tie their shoes so they learn. And so we're at different levels of growth, and we have to, we have to allow that growth and uh, operate from the eyes of Christ, the love of Christ, to be able to see people. Story. Here's a story. I, I did, I did a, a TV when I was in, pastoring in Taos, New Mexico, and Christian Television Channel 11, Black and Gonzalez. And so we were there, and I would help host the program and co-host the program. And this one guy came, and he's from India. And he had on the white robe, and he had on the sandals. And, and, and God forbid, but this is my first thought. Oh, my gosh, we got a guy that thinks he's Jesus. Oh, boy, this is going to be fun. Wrong thought. So we start to interview him, and, and, and it was really a very intriguing uh, interview with him. And, you know, he's just come to tell Jesus is crumbing back soon and getting people aware of the return of Christ. And so we went to go eat. And uh, I always like to ask, what's your best moments in ministry and what's your worst moments in ministry? And he said, well, one of my worst moments was in the church that I attend, there was this one lady there that was just a thorn in the side. I mean, she would just say things, do things. It was just off the wall. And it was just really, it was really irritating me and bugging me. And uh, I was praying about that and talking to the Lord about her. And the Lord said, I'm going to turn around. And when I do, I want you to step in me. 
Interesting, right? So he has a vision, turns around, he steps into Jesus, and this is beautiful. He said, I saw her out of the eyes of Jesus Christ, and I never had an issue again. Great story, isn't it? See, and that's what we need because we are connected to the head, Jesus Christ. Now, this is oversimplified, but it's real. What if every one of us was connected to the head, Jesus? Every one of us, what if we're really connected, flowing from him, operating from him? Would there ever be an offense? No, there wouldn't be. There would be unity. There would be one line of purpose, one line of thought. Now, there's different activities in the body of Christ, but every part of the body recognizes the other body and honors the other body. And so that's a part of if staying connected to the head Christ, we're able to flow and move and operate in what God's called us to do. Sometimes we can get out. We can get in the flesh. You know, it's called fleshing out. But, when I, but look, as quick as I get out of the Spirit, I can get right back in the Spirit. And then walk things out by this work and this love of Almighty God. Now, so in dealing with the fence, let's go to, let's go to Luke chapter 4. And we're going, to verse, we're going to go to verse 16. 18, I'm sorry. Luke 4, 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus reading about His ministry, because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Now I'm reading out the New King James Version. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To preach deliverance to the captives, recovering sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And what we're going to look at, we're going to put a magnifying glass on that Jesus is sent and anointed, sent and anointed to heal the brokenhearted. Now, if you have an NIV, a New American Standard Bible, and other versions, they leave out, he heals the brokenhearted. I'm aware of that. So go to Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1 and 2, and you'll find out that it says that he binds the brokenhearted. He heals the brokenhearted. And Jesus is reading from the book of Isaiah chapter 61. And you may question, well, why is that? There is theological reasons, and I could bring those out, but that's not what we're here for. But I can say this, no matter what version you read, you can trust it, because there's only 1% of variance in those verses. Only 1% of all Scripture, and none of them are major doctrines. Okay? And I like to read different versions. I, I, I favor the New King James Version, but I, NIV, I'll read it. NLT, I'll read it. Love the Amplified, the Amplified Classic. So it's really good to read four or five different versions. You get a really good concept of that Scripture. Welcome to, to uh, Bible Class 101. Okay. Maybe when I knew, I'll probably all know all that already. And so Jesus is sent and anointed to heal the brokenhearted. Very important. So he has an anointing, and we know what the anointing is, the yoke-destroying, burden-removing power of God, right? It removes yokes. That's the power of the anointing. Now, when we look at this word offense, and you read it in different versions, it'll say a stumbling, a stumbling block to fall by the way. And here's, here's one, that which will hinder you, and it will do it. So what I did, I thought I would just show you a little bit about this, and we have, we have a pet picture of this, if you can, if you can bring that up. I, I thought to bring a rat trap. How many of y'all know about, you ever had, you ever put out one of these before? Yes, I'm very careful. Okay, the Greek word for offense, and then it, it, there's a picture somewhere of this somewhere on there. The Greek word for offense, 
was taken from the name of the part of a trap you put the bait on. Now we all know about it. So you put cheese, peanut butter. One lady said she puts M&Ms. Now that's remarkable. That, that's a lot of discipline. Because I think I would eat the M&Ms before I'd waste it on a rat. You know what I'm saying? Anyway. So that's where, that's where the Greek word offense comes from. Now in other words, that root Greek word is going to give us a, uh, a word picture to understand it. Right? What's a word picture? Right now you and I are in Hawaii in an 80 degree weather on a lounge chair watching blue waves come in and we're sipping on a nice sweet iced tea with an umbrella in it. That's a word picture. So the Greek word for offense is going to give us a word picture to help us to understand it with more depth. So then you put the bait right here, and that's where they got the Greek word offense from, meaning what? That when the victim comes, nibbles on the trap, and that's what happens. That's what really happens. Did you see that one? And it's true. It does bring this kind of harm. In other words, and this is what's so important, if I become offended, I become ensnared and entrapped. That's the literal meaning of the word offense. To fall by the way, that will hinder you. You literally become entrapped. And how do you know that as Christians, it's hard to move forward when we're living in a trap? So the, the, now, so Jesus is anointed to heal the brokenhearted. It's the yoke-destroying, burn-removing power of God. The anointing... Gets us out of the trap. So we're out. We're free. The anointing will do that. And look, I, I know what it's like to get offended. I, I pastored 10 years. I lived offensive free for nine and a half. This side's a little brighter than this side, but we'll all catch up. Y'all got it. In other words, I had marvelous opportunities to get offended. Marvelous opportunities. But I let those go by. But then I had an offense come, and, and, and it, it, it got me. I mean, it, it, I call it justifiable anger. Well, bless God, I'm keeping the word and they're not. I'm doing the will of God and they're not. I, I'm keeping my word and they're not. I mean, getting hotter the more I talk about it. And some friends of mine in ministry said, everything you're saying is right, but your anger is sin against God. I needed that by men and Y'all remember the men in commercial? Except I need that by God. Now, when you get around me, that's why I smell so good. I've had a lot of them. And you know, I looked at them, and you know, let me say something. Humility will receive correction. Humility will receive wisdom. But pride won't allow it. Pride's like a cat in a corner. <laughs> okay, well, praise the Lord. And I looked at them and I said, you're absolutely right. I saw it. You're right. And so we began to pray and we began to pray. That brought a change. I won't go on that. That's a whole nother sermon about the, how that anointing works. I just want to bring out the fact that this is what happens when we become ensnared and entrapped. It's an offense. And look, if we know it's an offense, then we, we will be able to resist it. So I'm going to pull this back right here. And uh, I don't, Anybody want to put their volunteer to put their finger in here? Do we have anyone? There's always one in every crowd, young man. Always one in every crowd. The young man back there with the beard with the good smile. That pastor wants to know who that is. Okay. You're in trouble now, buddy. I'm kidding. So imagine if I said, put your finger in here. Well, you're not going to do that. Why? 
It's going to hurt. Now listen carefully. So why do we take offense so easily? If I know it's going to hurt. I need to resist it like I have enough sense to know, Reverend Husky, I am not putting my finger in that trap. So in the same way, I hope when we get through this morning, and especially tonight, it'll be the same way, that I'm not going to take offense. I'm really going to resist it and stand against it. I hope that's what we can begin to develop in our own life. Now, let me say this. I, once again, I live offensive-free many times. I'm living offensive-free now, thank God. But at times, offense kind of sneaks in. I remember one time I came back from a, a, a trip. And uh, I was in Sweetwater, Tennessee, where I live now. And my grandfather had a, a building to the side that I kept stuff in it. And, I, and a guy broke, someone broke into it and stole some stuff and stole a 10-speed bike. And, and, and it, I started getting a little upset because I, I was stolen from. And so I'm like, I told my wife, bless God, I bet you I know what neighborhood they live in. And we're going over there. I'm finding my bike. And the Lord spoke and said, you're not handling this too well. And all of a sudden, the light went off. And I went, man, I teach on offense all over America, different parts of the world. I've taught it probably 1,200 times, and a little offense slid right in. And God helped me to sit. And the moment I saw it, though, okay, God, I let it go. I'm forgiving, and I prayed for that person. I go, obviously, they need prosperity because they stole the bike to make it. So I just give it to you. I let all that go, and it wasn't an issue. It was e that was easy to get rid of. Now, but let me say this. When there's someone you poured your life into, and there's a lot of trust and a lot of involvement, give and take, when they turn on you, that's not so easy to forgive. Can you understand that? That's a root. That's going to take a little bit of work to get out. And the Lord will help you do that. He'll, he'll peel off one little bit at a time to help get rid of those layers. Finally, he gets to the core of the thing, and he can really help and set you free. And maybe tonight I can really dig on some of those things. I got, I got thousands of stories, thousands of stories. But I want to get to some others before that one. All right, so Jesus is sent and anointed to heal the brokenhearted. Now, we know what that is now. It's a trap. We know the anointing, that I can receive that anointing. So let me say this. That anointing is available today and right now. No one shall leave this church with any offense, any resentment, any grudge. We can be absolutely free. Listen, did you know someone could be in the grave, buried and dead, and they're still affecting our life today. That's horrible. That's sad. Now, I get it. I'm not, I get it. Things happen. But they, we don't need someone. I don't need to be a victim of what someone else did. I need to be the victor over being a victim. And Christ will help us to do that. Look, I know what it's like when your heart is shattered. Because I went through that in 1993. Matter of fact, I, I was so shattered. I told God, I want to be Spock on Star Trek. Or Data on Star Trek, the next generation. Not too many Star Trek fans. Okay, let me qualify that. Is Data had no emotion. None at all. He wanted an emotional chip. And I told God, I want mine out. Because I didn't like how I felt. You know, when, you, when you're offended, when you've been hurt, wounded, we don't like that feeling. And so, you know, we're just, we want to get rid of it. And I think sometimes we do this plastic thing. Because how many of those Christians, we got to forgive? 
Sure. But what we do, if we, 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 can, we can mechanically go through it. We run, this is over-exaggerated. We run our prayer closet going, okay, God, you know what they did, you know how they treated me, and you know what I went on, and, and I forgive them. And walk out the prayer closet. I'm not sure that was very effective. But we do it to salve our conscience. Now, I'm going to say this because I'm impressed to say so. When you get quieter, you start to pray, and inside rises up this situation, this person, this circumstance, and it rises up from the, on the inside. That's the Holy Ghost trying to show us this has not been dealt with. They went through the mechanics, but it hasn't been dealt with, and so it needs to be dealt with so you can live in complete freedom and liberty. Now, I'm going to share this story, and I'll come back to that. I did a meeting in Cleveland Sunday through Wednesday. We taught on offense. I knew this one gentleman there. He was a minister, and he wasn't really involved in ministry, but was before as a pastor. And he came up the last night in the line, you know, let things go to, to forgive and to be free, which is right. And he comes up to me afterwards, and I knew him, and he goes, uh, he goes, do you see me come up? I, I did, I did. What, what's the issue? Now, he said, I belong to this certain denomination, and I went through a certain circumstance, and they handled it really wrong, and it, it, it offended me. And when I was there and you were teaching, the Lord said, you need to forgive, now listen, this denomination. Think about that. And he goes, well, Lord, I, 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 I thought I forgave them. The Lord's like, no, no, you, you need to forgive. In other words, forgive them, make it a reality. So he got up there, he forgave them, and listen, it's a great story. In one month, he's back to pastoring in that denomination. Isn't that a great story? See, see, offense can keep us out of what God wants us to do on our individual life, our everyday wife, our walk, especially when it comes to serving God, it can keep us out of that. And so then he received freedom and liberty that happened for him. Now, let me say this. So it comes up on the inside, the Holy Ghost trying to show us something. But when it's out here, and this voice is trying to remind you what someone did, what they said, how they reacted. It's the enemy, our common adversary, the devil, is trying to bring back the offense once I released it. And he'll try to do that. He'll, uh, well, I got the story. I just don't know if I should share it or not. I, we'll see if we get there. Can we go to Matthew, please? Uh, Matthew chapter 18. Let me show you something Jesus said about offenses. Matthew 18, uh, we'll go to verse 7, Matthew 18, 7. The Bible says, Jesus is speaking, woe to the world because of what? Offenses. For offenses must come, but woe to that man by whom the offense comes. So there's many that Jesus said about this, but this is the main one that makes the point. As long as we live on this planet and there's two people. And he, he didn't say an offense, well, Skip, you might come to me and Skip Beth or come to anyone else. As long, offenses must come. They're going to come. It's not an issue will they come or not. It's an issue of how I, will I respond to the offense. Now, let me ask you this. Anyone ever been offended before and you reacted to that offense? And what? Repent time, right? Been there, done that. 
Instead of reacting to an offense, we want to respond to it from the love of God, really, from a biblical Bible way we want to respond. And so with some maturity, we can do that, but sometimes it still just slides in there, and we need to become aware of it, and we, once again, we get out of it real quick. Now, let's go, let's, yeah, let's go to Acts chapter, uh, uh, where I want to go here, Acts 24, let's go there. Acts 24, and this is a great scripture, and here's something, family of God, I really pray that you'll remember and that you'll put it to memory. Uh, it's Acts 24. We're going to go to verse 16. Now, this is the Apostle Paul applying a principle, one principle of a few, that helped him to finish his course in Christ, helped him to stay in Christ and not get out of Christ. Now that I'm saying that, how many of you know someone that was truly born again and probably win souls, brought people to Jesus Christ, and now today, you can't even get them in a local church. How many of y'all know, know someone kind of like that? Now, let me tell you what happened. They got offended. Lots of stories, but the bottom line is they got offended. And they did not know how to deal with the offense. And that's, that's why God has me doing this all over everywhere, because there's a need here. Now, so the Apostle Paul applied this principle, and I know because of this, he said, I fought the good fight, I finished my course, I kept the faith. And let's read it. Acts 24, we'll read verse 16, 24, 16. This being so, that there's a resurrection, if you read the verse before, this being so, that there's a resurrection, I myself always strive to have a conscience without what? Offense. Toward who? God toward God. So I exercise my conscience void of offense towards God. And who? Men. Now, I mean, you know, God's the easier part. You know, if I was God, I know the population would be just a little bit less. Just, just a little. And I know y'all so holy, you'd never think that way, so that's awesome. Of course, God thinks different than we do, doesn't he? And so this scripture is key to me. I mean, this is, this is one that you used to put on your refrigerator and in your desktop. This is one you put on your iPad, iPad, iPads, all pads, iPhones, Androids. You put it, this, this is a, look, this is a big hit scripture right here. We need to guide our life based on Acts 24, 16. I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and man. Now, the word strive was interesting. I looked that up about 10 years ago. It's an athletic term, an athletic term that means I discipline myself like an athlete. It also says this, I take pains at. Because how many of you know if you ever get offended, it doesn't feel good? And how many of you know we want the pain gone? That's why sometimes we suppress it. We push it down because I just want the pain gone. But as long as it's in the inside, it doesn't leave. And so that's where I got to let it come up when the Holy Ghost is leading me to do so. So the anointing can get to it and then break that yoke off of my life. Amen? So the word strive. Now, I love this in the Amplified Classic on, the, on that. The Apostle Paul said, now listen to this one. 
I deaden my carnal nature. Man, does that hit home. Oh, y'all don't have that? Now, that's not the real us, right? The real us is who we are in Jesus Christ. We're new creatures in Christ, right? But that's the whole deal. The offense plays on the flesh. It draws up that emotion. It draws up the flesh. And it gets to where my carnal nature, unfortunately, is in manifestation. But then I like what the, but I did. See, the nature's there, but I don't have to yield to it. See, it's not what happens to me. It's what I allow to happen in me. You know, the, the anointing of Christ is to set at liberty those that are prisoners. To realize that prisoner is me. Because when someone does something to me, it, it's something that affected my life. Now, granted, they may be guilty. They may not. Either way, whether they're guilty or not, done on purpose or not, it's how I, it's how I take that offense and, and I need to guard myself against that. And I do that, that by the ability of God's grace in Jesus Christ. Am I doing okay here? Okay, you're all just listening really good, and that's good. So this being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense. So this is big. This is what we want to remember, this scripture right here. And let's live our Christian life on that scripture. I got the front row. And everyone said? Story. When I begin to pass her, our church, you know, first three years was just kind of rough, and then we began to grow. Sixth year, seventh year, we're growing, we're making changes, and we would meet once a month with, with staff, paid staff, volunteer staff kind of thing. And we had my children's worker did not show up, and she was a great children's worker. We had kids laying hands on kids. They're getting filled with the Spirit. They're getting healed. We had kids getting saved. We had a dynamic, wonderful. She was called to kids as much as I was called to pastor. She was really good. Out of anyone I had, she was definitely the best called to that. But then she didn't show up for this meeting. And so I, I, as a pastor, I'm concerned. So I called her and I go, hey, uh, you, you know, you weren't at the meeting. Are you okay? Everything fine. And gosh, she was really cold and indifferent on the phone. I was shocked. Cold and indifferent and just kind of not rude, but to the point. And I hung up the phone going, as a shepherd, as a pastor, i like, I've got a problem, and I don't even know what that problem is. So I went to their house the next day, and I'm trying to find out and work out whatever the issue was, and, and it didn't make it, nothing made a lot of sense. She began to dump. I call it dumping. In other words, well, you did this, and you did that, you did this, and you did that. Okay, and I don't, I don't remember these things. And she goes, no, one time you were talking to Art, because Art just got a Porsche, and I was like intrigued, and I go, Art, wow, beautiful car, man, fantastic. She said, I came out, and I told you five kids got saved. And what did I say? You said, great, good work, keep up the good job. And I'm thinking, so you got offended over that? Listen closely. Expectations will create offensive situations. She was thinking, when I tell pastor that the kids got saved, he's going to react this way. And when you don't react that way, you get offended. 
expectation. I'm going to give Pastor Scott the pie he likes. He's going to love this pie. It's his favorite pie. And when I give him that pie, he's going to, I'm expecting him to do this now for me. That's wrong. That's giving with expectation. That's giving with strings attached. That's wrong. Expectations aren't fair. Because the person you have an expectation on doesn't know you're expecting that more than likely. It's not fair. And so as a result then, she was expecting a certain thing and she got offended. And unfortunately, she left the church and a few of her family left the church. And I had people come and go, but not a leader. So as a shepherd, I'm in my office as a pastor and I'm literally, I'm literally on my carpet, face on the carpet and spread out. And I go, I went to me. I go, God, what did I do? I'm not understanding. How did I do this? How did I create this? And the Lord said, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter, right? He says, start reading. And the Bible says the love of God, you know, the love of God is patient, it's kind, it's not rude, it's not unmannerly. And the Lord said, are you doing that? I said, yes, sir, I am. Is she doing that? No, no, sir. No, sir. She's, she's not doing that. He goes, keep on reading. The love of God is not arrogant, it's not inflated with pride, it's not vainglorious. Uh, it doesn't display itself haughtily, I already said that. It takes no account, it takes no account, it takes no account of the evil done to it. Are you doing that? Yes, sir, I am. Is she? No, sir, she's not. Keep reading, the Lord said. And here's the big one. The love of God is not touchy. It's not fretful. It's not resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. One version says it pays no attention to an endured wrong. That says a lot to me because I've had to endure some things that people made choices that weren't my choices but affected my life. Now, I got good news. I got good news. I just saved 30% more on my car insurance, praise God. <laughs> I'm glad you like that, Pat. Because when you talk about this, come on, man, it, this is heavy stuff, right? But it's going to bring victory. Look at your name in the but this is going to bring victory, please. This is going to bring victory. And I'm rubbing salt on a wound. I know that. I know it's like, man, I'm rubbing salt on a wound. Some of it's not comfortable. It's okay. It's going to bring liberty. So the Lord was showing me that she got out of the love of God. You know, and I wasn't going around, well, bless God, I'm right, she's not. It made me hurt more because I saw how she's messing it. And the Lord said, she got offended. And I go, what's offended? What's an, oh, I didn't know what an offense was. So I began to do this study about it. And that's, and now I'm going to reveal some of that study to you between now and, and tonight. Look, I could do Sunday through Wednesday. We still wouldn't, we still wouldn't be through with this thing. A much, God has revealed much in all these years. But we're going to get to the really, really good nitty gritty stuff. So coming back. So, yeah, I, I talked to my uh, leaders. I told them what happened, what the Lord revealed and all that. And that's how all this became about with the thing on offense. And then I prayed. Yeah, I prayed. I said, God, God, please give her a flat tire. Give her a flat tire. But I'm not, let me finish, Sister Pat. Let me finish. Okay. And I said, because I want to be the one to change it. 
I want to show her acts of love. I want her to know that I love her and I care for her. Now, God did not give her a flat tire. He's not going to answer that prayer. Now, so I go back. I be, back to that church that I pastored about a year or two later. And uh, she was in the crowd. And I, we would sit up. That Then I was up on the stage and I, I saw her. And I'm like, wow, Lord, look who's here. This is awesome. And, and guess what? She stayed. You didn't get that. <laughs> Knowing I'm going to teach and preach. Oh, well, that went over like a lead balloon too. Anyway, moving right along. So guess what I taught on? Yeah, you were there. I taught on offense. That's right. And then so, you know, everyone's leaving and she was cordial. I was cordial. She left. Then when everyone was gone, she came back. She said, Pastor, we need, I would like to talk to you. We need to talk. Can we talk? I said, sure we can. She said, Pastor, I realize I got offended. Will you forgive me? I said, well, you know, I don't believe anything to forgive, but sure I would. And I said, look, if I did anything that hurt you or wounded you, would you forgive me? Because I wouldn't do anything on purpose to hurt you. And so we both together, we prayed for each other, according to Matthew 18, and we got it all into, it's, we have a wonderful relationship. There's no problem there. We got it all ironed out. Now, now listen to the story. She said, Pastor, ever since then, I have been afraid to operate in my gift to kids. Just called to kids. If I get offended, I become entrapped. And what this does, it can get you out of your place in Christ and out of the, what the purpose God has for your life. And it did that for, it got her out of her call. I said, I said, look, it may happen again. Something may happen, but now you know what to do. You've been taught what to do. Now you know what it is and you know how to resist it. And I encourage her, get back in your call because you're called to kids. And, I, and praise God, she did get back in her call. Isn't that wonderful? She got back. And so that's where the enemy wants to affect your relationships and wants to affect your purpose and call in Christ. That's why, he, that's why he came against me when I went through an offense. And I know what it's like to get offended because, like I said, I pastored 10 years, lived in offensive free for nine and a half, and I got so offended I mean, I, I was angry. I, had justifi I, I call it justifiable anger. Wasn't right because I was responding incorrectly. And let me tell you what happens when you get in that trap. The old man that was dead tries to have expression again. I had old thoughts try to come back. Old habits try to come back. And I'm like, this man's been dead for 15 years, man. It was, it was wild. But then God helped me, God helped me to get out of that thing, and he brought revelation, brought the word, and then that's once again, we'll get in some of that tonight. Such good revelation. Now, I will say this because, you know, I brought some materials, and I've got a little mini book called Overcoming Offenses, and uh, uh, God's Provision for Victory, No Longer a Prison of Hurt. Now, look, this is in its ninth printing. This will work. How do you know? I've got too many testimonies on it. It'll work. What's in here will work. You'll learn what it is and how to apply it. And if someone's offended, it's a great book to give them or to learn how to minister to someone that's been offended. It's a $3 investment. Thank you for helping our ministry. 
So who, who doesn't have this, but you'd like to have it? I want to give it away. You don't have it, but you'd like to have it? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Uh, I need someone to help me. You, you, can you give that to her right there? Thank you for being so helpful. Thank you. Okay. So that's available. Now look, if you know someone that's offended, I want you to buy two. I want you to keep your copy. You know how I know? I've had people ministry come up to me and said, Reverend Husky, thank you for what you teach in that book. God's grace now. Because it's helped me. I've read it more than once. And I want to say this. 15 years ago, I read the book that I wrote. Because I was going through an offense. And I was amazed at what God did. Okay, are we all, are we all okay? Okay. So, this being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense. Now, in a moment, I'm going to show you who's behind the offense every single time. I want to give you another story. Uh, we had a gentleman come to my church by the name of Art, and Art came on a Thursday night, first time in a church, and uh, bless his heart, he, you know, he, he walks, he goes, hey, Art, we're glad you're here, glad to be here, and he had so much liquor in him, I almost got high off the liquor. And his wife attended our church, and we've been actually kind of praying for him. And so the Lord spoke to me and said, and I don't know if it was him or not. He said, there's somebody here. Now listen, and they've been praying to me to be free from alcohol. So evidently he was praying. We didn't know that. And I, and, and I shared that. And I go, look, if you'll come up and receive Jesus Christ, you'll be delivered instantly. That was the word God gave. It was art. He came down. Can you imagine coming in front of a church with that first time there? Prayed for him. He became truly born again and was instantly delivered from the whiskey and the alcohol, instantly. Well, he began just to grow and grow and grow. And, and I'm like, he's growing so fast. He's got to serve. I go, Art, would you like to be an usher? Yeah, pastor, I would love it. He got quiet. What's an usher? <laughs> See, when someone becomes sold out to God, they just want to serve. They want to be involved. They want to be a part of. That's part of the born again experience when Jesus is Lord. Amen. And so he became an usher, then became moved up to head usher. He, just, he, was, he was just a really super good Christian. We're going to have an evangelist come in. We're going to have an overflow room. So as a pastor, as a shepherd, I'm thinking, okay, someone's got to do the overflow room, but I don't want them to get you know, hurt because they're going to be in. They're not in the main service. So who do I get? I'm praying over it, thinking over it. Spent a, a week on just thinking, who am I going to put in that room? And Art, Art shined with the shining colors. And so I said, Art, look, we're going to have an overflow room. Would you please serve people, take care of people, keep people in order in the overflow room? Would you do that? Yes, pastor, I'll be glad to do that. So sure enough, we needed that. I went in there in the middle of the service. I checked it all out. He did a great job. They were, everything was in order. And by the way, they had the same anointing we had in the main service. Great job. Great job, Art. So about a month later, maybe, we went to go horseback riding. We, we did a, quite a bit of that. And so horseback riding, I'm with some guys in my church and some other people, and I'm with Art. And so me and Art break off to go down one trail. We're going to meet the rest of them up at the top of the trail where the sun's setting and John Wayne's there got to have that in a ride. And so here we are now. And so we're just, you know, riding our horses and past and art goes, pastor, when you, this is a true story. When you asked me to take the overflow room, did I do something wrong? Was that punishment? If we're not careful, the devil will help you to assume something that you believe to be true and is not true at all. And I looked at him, I laughed. Are, are you kidding me? 
I spent a week in prayer and thought, and you were the cream of the crop. You were chosen because you were the best for the job. And here's what he said. Well, I thought so, Pastor, but I just wasn't sure. Could you see the devil going, he, he put you back there because that's your punishment. You did something wrong. You walk in. Pastor walks in. There's five people in the foyer. He shakes four hands. He did not shake your hand. Not because of purpose. It just didn't just recognize just a slight. Didn't recognize it. Didn't even mean to do it. Now the devil going, he doesn't like you. Well, how do you know? Just because he didn't shake your hand? You can't judge it based on that. And if you want your hand shook, just go up to him. Hey, good to see you, Pastor. And if he doesn't shake your hand, we got a problem. I know better than that. It's, listen, it's really crazy some of the things we interpret that actually relates to, and forgive me, but I'm going to be honest, immaturity. You know, when you get older, you get a little bit bolder. Well, that's okay. Let's just grow up. I said, my kids to grow up. Let's just grow up in Christ. I wish y'all could see your faces right now. This does help. This, y'all, this is going to help. Okay. So we have to be careful about assuming. Expectations, awful. Assuming, we have to be careful about those things. And so now, so I want to show you the real source behind every offense. And when I did this study on offense, it really shocked me that I found out who the real culprit was in an offensive situation. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, if you would please. Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, we'll read. Some, a lot of you are probably very familiar with this. But it would be good to read. Get our, our eyes on it, of course. Ephesians 6. Uh, verse 10. Ephesians 6, verse 10. The Bible says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, in the power of His might, Put on the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to stand against the wiles, schemes, strategies, methods of the devil. All right, so I'm going to be strong in God. Power of his might. I'm put on the whole armor. Not most of it. All of it. Why? So I can stand successfully against the enemy. Against his scheme. So my next question is, well, what's his scheme? And it's found in. What's his method? It's found in verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Now get a hold of that. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, wicked spirits and heavy places, and it goes on. Our real battle is not sister bucket mouth. Our real battle is not brother hypocrite. Are y'all with me? Now, and let me prove this to you. This is what really shocked me when I studied this. Go to Matthew 16. Let, let, let's look at this. Matthew 16. Now, Jesus is telling his disciples that he's going to be judged and he's going to go to the, to the cross or he's going to die. And, and as he's relating that, it says now in Matthew 16, 22, then Peter took Jesus aside, began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, that this should happen to you. 23 now. But he, Jesus, turned and said to Peter. Look at this. Turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. 
Wow, not a good moment for Peter. Could you imagine being Peter? Who? Talking about getting offended. But obviously he didn't. Get behind me, Satan. Look at the next words. For you are what? An offense unto me. You don't think, speak of the things of, of God, but of the things of men. So Jesus discerned in that offensive situation. He didn't take an offense, but it's in an offensive situation. He discerned that his real battle was, was not Peter, flesh and blood, Peter. It was Satan himself using flesh and blood. This is so important. This is so important. Whenever I go through an offensive situation, please listen, it's not so much the person as it is Satan using the person to get us in the trap he set. And when you know that, now, now, now you can begin to take your authority. Now you realize, wait a second, okay, what's going on here, I know who's behind this thing, and Satan, I bind you in the name of Jesus Christ, and thank God your authority works in Jesus' name. So I set out this trap. It's ready to go, but there's no bait. Will it work? Or will it get, will it get the, the rat? With no bait, no. Well, what makes it work? The bait. Now, so let's say I get the rat. Should the rat blame the bait, the trap, or me who said it? And we're blaming the bait. It is actually Satan who set and used the bait to entrap us. It's a fact. Guys, it's a fact. Every hurt in your life, every wound, the author of it was Satan. Now, granted, people have wills. I get that. And their will's involved, I get that. But the enemy's using that will against you to get you captive into, in me, in me, captive into a trap. Are we okay? So it's a trap. Number two is Satan's the author every single time he's the author. So the next time I get an offensive situation, then I'm aware of, okay, I know what's going on here, Satan. I know what you're doing. And so under your breath, you can take authority over the enemy. Or if you can't do it, then when you get in your prayer closet. Satan, I bind you over this situation. I bind you. What you're doing through my boss, I bind it in Jesus' name. What you're doing in my family, I'm binding in Jesus' name. What you're doing through my girlfriend, boyfriend, best friend, worst friend. What you're doing with, with my, 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 my parents or grandparents. What you're doing in this situation. What you're doing with the people I work with in church. Woohoo! He's the author of it. And so we, we just, we can, and we can, we can, we can rise to the place of, I'm above that. I'm above the offense. And I can walk this thing out by the love of God. And instead of reacting, I can respond by the Spirit. I can do these things. And so that's the advantage of that. All right, now go to Romans 12. Okay, Romans 12. And then I'll, I'll share maybe a few more stories and we'll be through. Did you all learn something? And some of you, I know some of you already know some of this. I get that. But I, I, I tell you what, man, even, every time I teach it, it's like, okay, it just makes me more aware, makes me more aware of what it is and how I need to be more careful about situations and circumstances, especially when it comes to husband and wife. 
Oh, don't go there. I'm not. <laughs> Enough is said right there. I have to say this, though. Billy Graham, right? And uh, Ruth Graham, his wife, she made a powerful statement. She said, and I won't get this exactly right, but I'll get close. She said, the union of a good marriage is the union of two good forgivers. Isn't it true? And I had an older couple that I admire so much, they tell me, they said, David, and they, I mean, you know, long marriage, wonderful. And they go, David, every relationship has ups and downs. Thank God for the ups, and we get through the downs in Jesus Christ. We get through the downs because we're committed to Christ. We get through the downs because we're committed to each other in love. But not everyone wants to choose to get through the downs. And sometimes the offense can be so great, it's hard to forgive. I get that. I understand that. I understand the battle of it. But yet we still can choose. See, look, there cannot be reconciliation until I forgive. Now, once I forgive, there can be reconciliation. Now, okay, I, I will do that. God's impressed me. It's a sell the thought. All right. Someone breaks trust, right? You trusted them. They broke trust. And then so, but you don't, but see, the love of God is not a doormat. Now, the love of God will say, I choose to forgive you. I do forgive you. You're forgiven. But it doesn't mean I have to trust you at this point. I forgive you. You broke trust. Now, trust has to be regained back again. But it's on the foundation I have forgiven. You okay with that? That's some pastoral ministry right there, you know. But just when trust has been broken, it doesn't mean you're just like, why open yourself wide up? It's like, uh, it's a yellow light. I'm going to go forward cautiously, and we're going to develop this trust back. And it can be. There's great stories where trust has been developed back. It can happen. It can't happen unless I truly choose to forgive. Okay, Romans 12. Did y'all find Romans 12 yet? Oh, where should we start here? Verse 17. Romans 12, 17. Romans 12. Verse 17. You ready? Repay evil for evil. Get your 357 hollow point bullets and just show out, man. Oh, wow. That flight over here must have got to me just a little bit. No, of course not. This is big here. Repay no one evil for evil. That takes a lot of maturity. That takes a lot of, okay, God, I need some help in this. I've done it before. I need help right here. Watch this. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, me, live peaceably with all men. On my part, I'm going to do everything I can to be at peace. And what if they don't receive it? It's their issue now. Because you did everything humanly possible. I've done that. Humanly possible. Yeah, we'll share that story. Here's another one. I had a guy help me in ministry. He was from Bible school. Bible school. Bible school. Under the word. And man, that guy, he got offended more than anybody I met in my life. I'm his pastor, and he's there, and he'd get, he would get offended at this, offended at that, offended at this, offended at that. And I'm like, man, the Bible says I'm not supposed to offend my brother. My goodness, I'm offending this guy. And I don't even know what I'm doing. That's another sermon. There's, God gave me an answer for that. 
But then I went to him, I go, look, obviously I offend you, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to take you to lunch, and I want you to open up and be honest with me and talk to me about what's going on with, you know, what, what's, how, how I'm hurting you or what I'm doing. So I had a legal pad, and the first sheet was, healed, was filled up halfway. I said, thank you for sharing. I didn't treat him any different, bought his lunch, treated him just the same, and I took it to a friend of mine that was a Christian counselor. And he got halfway through, he said, now listen, this person's perspective is way off. See, if I become offended, I'll have a critical and judgmental spirit. They're sisters. They can't be separated. How do you know? Studied it. How do you know? Because I was in it. Yeah, sure did. I was telling God about what this one person did and how, what he ought to do about it. You know, I felt like Elijah. Let's have a burnt offering, praise God. But I know y'all are more holy than me on that one. And you know what the Lord said to me? What's that got to do with you? You follow me. And you know, and he didn't say this, but he implied it. That person's my child and you're my child. Who are you to bring her up to me like that? I don't know. <laughs> In other words, he's going to deal with that person. He's going to deal with this person. And that's where I realized. That's where, that's where God will deal and work with the issues. And he helped, and he helped me to walk some things out in liberty and freedom. He, praise God, it, he did. So now, let me come back to this man. So why, why was he getting offended so easily? Well, I found out later on because his parents were very authoritative and just did some things that he took offense to and never forgave them. So when you have that, now you've got a filter. In, so now anyone else in authority, he has the same attitude towards because of what happened with someone else in authority. And so that carried off to me as a pastor. In the Lord is In 1 Peter, it says we're living stones and he was the cornerstone. Remember that? And it went on to say, and, and Jesus, it's talking, about Je it's talking about Jesus in 1 Peter 2. He was a rock of stumbling, a rock of offense. Oh, I remember reading that. Can you imagine Jesus being an offense when he walked in pure love of God? Walked in the will of God, but yet he was an offense to those who? That were disobedient to the word. So the Lord set me free. It's like, it's not so much, well, you're going to like tonight. You're going to like tonight. Because I can literally show you how this works. And I plan on going there. Let's God. I literally can show you how that works. And that's the plan for tonight. And we'll, you know, just <laughs> come trust in God with me. Praise the Lord. Are y'all doing okay? Last scripture. Go to 1 Peter, please. 1 Peter. And I'll help you out. First Peter's before Second Peter, so you find Second, you go right into the left, and there's First Peter. I know that's helpful. First Peter chapter two. Let me give you a story, and then I'll read First Peter two, and then I'll give you another story. And then we're going to wrap it up and pray. Thank you for being listening. Thank you, because I, I know when you're quiet, it's like the gears are going right, and that's good. It's not a bad thing. All right, now I was pastoring, and uh, I, maybe a year or two years in, I can't remember. It wasn't too long, just beginning as a pastor. And I was laying on my bed, and I was just praying and praying and, you know, talking to God. And 
the Lord just spoke and he said, he said, you have unforgiveness. And it shocked me. And I'm like, really? So I went through the filing cabinet of my heart. And I go, Lord, I don't know anyone I got unforgiveness for. I don't know anyone that I hate or you want to put knuckles across. I, I don't know. I, I don't know anyone like that. How many of y'all know God's right? Absolutely. So I asked God, I said, God, who's this person I have unforgiveness for? He gave me his first and last name. And I said, God, I don't hate that person. So the Lord asked me a question. He said, well, how do you react when you hear his name? My immediate reply was, well, I soon not hear it. Oh. <laughs> it was a wake-up call. Because I'd hear his name, it would irk me. And God called that resentment, unforgiveness. Just reason, see, when you hear a name and it irks you, we need to deal with that. that that's resentment. That, that's, that's part of the activity of the enemy to move us into the trap of offense. And that was an eye-opener for me. Can I make the story even more interesting? I never met the guy. Never met him. Never, didn't even know what he looked like, didn't shake his hand. But other people passed their opinions about him and their judgments about him. So I just gladly passed mine and I got in trouble. You need to be careful what you hear. Because it may not all be true. And you know what? That man came to my church a few years later. And I was fine, doing great. I even had a prophetic word for him. It was awesome. It was awesome. Yes, who said that? Hallelujah. Thank you for agreeing with me. Amen. Good story, isn't it? 1 Peter 2. How many of y'all believe Jesus was a good man all the time? How many believe he walked in love all the time? How many of y'all believe he did the will of God all the time? Yeah. Was he ever lied about? Persecuted? Ill-treated? Victimized? How did he deal with his offenders? Well, we know one right on the cross. Very powerful. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do right? That's why, that's why he shed his blood so he could have complete forgiveness. But I'm going to show you something else he did that most people don't know. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 23. This will be very helpful. Who when he was reviled, verbally abused, did not revile in return when he suffered, he didn't threaten back. Well, what did Jesus do? But committed himself to him, God, who judges righteously. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Then he committed himself, the situation, to God. And was going to let God judge it. You know, Romans 12, we didn't read all of it. If, you, if we go past where I'm not to repay you for evil and I'm to be at peace with everyone, then it goes on to say, vengeance is mine. I'll repay, says the Lord. And it goes on down. So don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with Good. You can't fight good. How do you respond to good? How do you respond to someone's loving on you and you've been mean to them? How do you respond to that? You're going to lie tonight. I'm looking forward to it. I just got to be patient until it comes. That's all. This is very powerful here because guess what? Let me ask you. How many of you believe that God can judge everything righteously, correctly, fairly, accurately. It'd be all, uh, anybody, any kind of sense all knows that God would do that. 
So guess what? That gives you faith to forgive whatever they did. Can I share another story? Karen was in my church. Karen came off us. Short, short, short story on this one. It, it, it bears down to what I just said. And Karen's like, Pastor, she's in tears, she's crying. She said, Pastor, my mom lives in Colorado Springs or Pebble Springs, can't remember. She said, someone broke in her house. And uh, they didn't know she was there, evidently. And when she woke up, they killed my, they, this man murdered my mother. And of course, said, Karen, I'm so sorry. And we're both in tears, we're both crying, we're both praying, and we're both talking. And then I said, Karen, I'm going to ask you to do something that I know is going to be difficult, and I pray I could do this myself. I wouldn't know unless I was in your shoes. But Karen, you're going to need to forgive this man. She looked at me. She goes, Pastor, I'm going to work on it, and I'm going to be praying for you. So a couple months later, she comes to my office. She goes, Pastor, I'm going up to Colorado, and I'm going to, I'm going to meet the men that murdered my mother. Karen, I'm going to be praying. What's the day? Because I'm going to be praying while all this is going on. And I asked her, I said, have you been able to forgive this man? She said, I have. Okay, Karen, I'm going to be praying. This is a great story. True story. She comes back after that. She tells me this story. I said, how did it go, Karen? She says, well, I got in the witness stand. I met the man that murdered my mother. And I told her all about my mom, how wonderful, how good, all that she did, all the accolades and all that. And then she looked at that man and said, look, I want you to know something. I'm a Christian. And because I'm a Christian, I have forgiven you. And if you'll receive Jesus Christ, he'll forgive you too. What a story. So is her pastor? I have to admit, I stuck my chest out like that, walking around, yeah. She made me happy. Because if she was full of the flesh, she could have said, I hope you burn. But she wasn't. She's full of the Spirit. And to this day, she's still living in liberty. It doesn't control her. She's not victimized. And as far as I know, she's still serving God. Isn't that a great story? I'm going to give it to God, and I'm going to let God judge it. Great story. Amen. All right. So here we go. Last story. We're going to pray. You can pull that one up about the, mon the monkeys. They did a documentary in Africa of how they capture monkeys. They got, a, they got, a, they got a, a cage. They got the bait with the trap stick. And the monkey grabs for it, but the trap stick won't let the bait out. What's peculiar about a monkey is once they grab a hold of the bait, they refuse to let go. A monkey will not let go of the bait. So they're trying to get it out. And there's two guys behind the bush, and they see him coming. And so they see, you know, but they're still trying to get it out. They're above him now. And now the monkey's got his feet on the cage, his teeth are showing. But all he got to do is what? There's the hint. Let go. But he won't let go. They pound and hit and kill this poor little monkey. Oh, poor monkey. But all he had to do is what? How many of you are smarter than monkeys? I had one guy say, I am now. <laughs> All we have to do is let go. And then give it to God and let God judge it. Because every, every one of you know, without a doubt, God will judge it right. So no matter, and for Karen, that was a big thing. I can tell you, 
just as bad, if not worse, stories that I've learned of that they were able to forgive. Yeah, pretty moving stories. So let's get, let's get this anointing activated. Jesus is anointed to heal the brokenhearted. Let's get this in operation. Now, remember, if you've been hurt or wounded, we need to get up. You're trying to get through something. You're having difficulty getting through it. Come on up. Or it's like, what gets a lot of people is the name thing. Oh, man, I hear this one certain name, and, and I, 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 resentment just comes up. We need to apply the anointing to that and let the anointing break whatever's there, break any yoke that could be possible, or whatever's done in our life that keeps coming back and coming back, owning us that we need to get free of. So I want, I want to pray for you. I want to activate this anointing. So I want you to be very open and honest before God, before yourself, and actually even before me in the fact that, okay, no problem. Now let me say this. I would be up here back in, 19, in 1993. I would have been up here in this line because of the offense I went through. And, and God got me through that. So this doesn't mean you're a bad person. Actually, most of the case, it means you're doing something right that these things happen. So if this is you on any level, would you stand up for me, please, boldly? Thank you, sir. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Young man, thank you. God bless you all. God bless you. Back there, thank you. God bless you. Bless you, bless you. God bless you all. God bless you. God bless you. Now, I, we're going to pray in a moment. But now look, don't, don't, let this, don't let this moment go. Your pastor and myself came under appointment. And I'm not saying that to be real spiritual. Everywhere I go is under appointment because this message is an assignment that God wants me to do. It's under appointment. That's the purpose for this message. Everywhere I go, it's always appointment time because that's what God wants done. So if you're not standing, you know you should be. Or I've had people shaking their head going, that buzzard doesn't deserve to be forgiven. See, and, that, it, well, and if, I, if I forgive them, they're going to think they're right. That what the enemy would use to hold us down. Let that go. Let all that go. Just, just receive from God what rightfully belongs to you. So if you haven't stood up, but you should be standing, would you please do that right now? God bless you. Okay, now, here's what, here's what I'd like you to do. Because I, I, I like to do this, and it's the best way I know to do it. Would you all make your way up here, but treat this as the throne room of grace. And receive this anointing from Him. And, and be brave about it. You're in church. Church is safe. All right? Can you come this way, please? Come on this way. Be, be bold. Be bold. I know it's a big step, especially if it's your first time here. I do understand that. We all do. Come on up here. I want to see the whites of your eyes, as Reverend Hagin would say. And we want to apply this wonderful anointing into your life. Amen. Now, I'm going to say something, and, and I believe it's, it's in someone that's in this line releasing this, uh, releasing forgiveness. And I got it in prayer, and I don't completely understand this, but I believe there's someone here, you're going to receive a major healing in your body. Now, I don't know what it is, but it's like there's something from here 
goes all the way through the back of your head, down your spine, and down your back. It doesn't make sense to me, but that's what I was getting this morning. There's something wrong. It's got to do from here all the way to the back of the neck going, going down the back. And I want you to know something. I don't know who you are. Does God reveal it? He does that sometimes. Once you forgive, the healing power of God is going to heal you. It's a fact. God revealed it this morning. It's exactly what he's going to do. Now, I don't know who you are, and I don't even know what the condition is. I, I don't know what the issue is. I don't, know, I don't know what to say about it, except it's here, goes all the way back the neck, down the back. Whatever it is, God's going to heal you of that. And, and I want to know who you are when we get through. All right, here we go. Are you ready? Can you cup your hands together like this for me, please? Church, you can be involved if you want, or at least pray for them. That way you don't get bored, okay? It's up to you, but please don't get bored. All right. Take out of your heart what they said, what they did, what was done. Take it out of your heart. Place it in your hands. Now, what are you saying? You are no longer going to control my life. I'm taking control. That's why you put it in your hands. And I'm going to give that control to God. Now, forgiveness is a choice by faith. It's not a feeling. Feeling's not involved here. If you went by feelings, you wouldn't do this. It's a choice by faith, and faith pleases God. So say this with me. Father, I now choose by my will and in faith to forgive those that have wronged me, or I feel that have wronged me. I now forgive them in Jesus' name. And as a sign of that, I lift my hands to heaven. I separate my hands, and I let it go. Now, keep them up there. Now, listen closely. So, let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let the leash off of that dog. Let it go. 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 Really, let it go. Now, if hands up, let to say this with me. Father, I now receive. You're healing anointing. Because you're anointed to heal my broken heart. I receive that anointing now in Jesus' name. All right. So now by faith, begin to receive. By faith, begin to receive. Now say this with me. Father, I submit it to you. I give it to you. I ask you to judge it. So give that to him and let him judge it. And the next time the devil reminds you what someone did or said, I hope you come tonight. I got, I got God talking to me. And I just, I didn't hit this one certain area. Lord, please remind me. Please remind me. That's very important. Okay, so receive, receive that anointing. 
Thank you, God. Thank you for that. You're going to remind me, and I thank you so we can do, we can be obedient and do exactly what you want right there. All right, now, with that anointing, if you need a healing in your body, even though I didn't call it out, but you need a healing in your body, I would take that. I don't have to call out your condition, right? So if you need a healing in your body, take, take it. Because once you get rid of this, healing, healing is a wide open thing. So thank you, Father, for your healing, not only in hearts, but in bodies. And we thank you for this. In the precious, mighty, wonderful, holy name of Jesus. Well, you're doing great. Now, you can, you can look at me. Now, according to the Word of God, and according to your action, and according to that anointing, you are now free. You're leaving free. Yes, sir. Thank you. So here's what I want you to do. Say this with me. I boldly declare. I, boldly declare. I am free. free. We'll say it with some conviction. I boldly declare. I, boldly declare. I, am, I am free. free. I'm free. Completely. Because forgiveness does that. Courtney, I don't know why I'm so compelled towards you, and I just don't know why. I don't know why. Father, in Jesus' name, I know her heart is very pure. And I also know that she's very sensitive. And so I ask you, Father, in her sensitivity, that she could be strong inwardly, uh, powerful inwardly. Wow, thank you for the peace, Father. Thank you for peace. That, that's, God's given you, and I don't know why, but He's given you peace. Ooh, wow. Keep receiving, Courtney, keep receiving. Father, thank you. That just because of sensitivity of heart doesn't mean Satan has to take advantage of it. So I thank you, Father, for filling her with the love of God, filling her with the love of God. Now, Courtney, I don't know why I'm going to say this, but this is what I'm getting in my spirit. You have not displeased God. I don't know what that means. Because I know your heart. I know she loves Jesus. But you have not. So if there's been that kind of thinking, well, maybe I displeased God or whatever, you have not. And if I'm off, I'm just off. It's okay. Because I really don't want to say it. Because, I, well, I know you so well. It just doesn't make sense. Amen. In God, y'all, y'all, have you got God on you like I got God on me right now? Because I got God on me. Wow, 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 wow. Father, in Jesus' name. Fill her. Fill her with your love. You, you, you need this, ma'am. You need the love of God that surpasses all knowledge. And, and, I, and this is good. This is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. But I can hear the Lord say, come to me all the way. Come to me all the way. Not partly. Not some. But come to me all the way. 
I encourage you, give him all of your heart. And, and do that now. In the precious name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name. Father, we thank you for healing. We thank you for healing. Healing right in here. I can sense healing. Uh, in Jesus' name. Healing. In your body. Whatever you need. We take authority over the spirit of pain. And we thank you for healing. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Something's going on right, right, in this, right in his part here with healing. And I don't know what it is, but it doesn't matter. Father, we thank you for this in the name of Jesus. We thank you. 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 Praise the Lord. Now, church, thank you for being so patient and kind. And thank you for praying for these people and waiting on God like that. I know it can get boring sometimes. I'm just, I pray you don't get that way. Well, you did wonderful. Congratulations. You're free. You can go be seated. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Yeah, I messed that pencil up, didn't I? Well, just, it's all I have to do, Pastor, and it's yours. You guys... We have a four-CD series called No Offenses Allowed. If you want to learn more, that's available up there. And then I've got one, and I didn't even touch this, Forgive Yourself. That's another one. This deals with the element of forgiving yourself. We didn't really touch on that. So they're available at the table if you think you want that. And uh, look, you guys, I'm so looking forward to tonight. I have such a high anticipation. So if you can make it at all, I, I just hope you'll come, you know. I mean, if it snows, get a snowmobile, do something. Just come on and make it tonight. I look forward to seeing all of you. Blessings in every way in Jesus' name. Pastor, amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you enjoyed today's message, consider sharing it with a friend. For more content and information about Living Word, check out our website at livingwordfamily.org. And remember to live the gospel and preach the gospel.